Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. economy and i seem to be swimming in a completely different direction than what wall street's telling us and what the, certainly what the administration's telling us and i think people see me as a naysayer i'm not trying to be a naysayer i want things to be great i just don't see the greatness i talk to the business owners i take a look at what happens in china and i ask myself how does this not lead to something serious i take a look at oil prices being down and i say that's great Except China's not using as much because they're not producing as much because of their own financial issues. This is going to be bad news for the rest of us in this interconnected world. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I figured, uh, you know, I, I speak to economist Dr. Matt Will a lot. I figure maybe I should, I should go uh, uh, to, to my original guy. Maybe I should get somebody who will slap me in the face and say, Tony, you don't understand how good things are. Or maybe I'll find out I'm right. Charles Payne joins us right now. You see his work on Fox Business, making money with Charles Payne. And that is 2 p.m. on Fox Business, Monday through Friday. And his latest book, Unbreakable Investor. You can go to unbreakableinvestor.com and check it out for yourself. Uh, I guess I'll start with the general is this a wonderful, glorious economy, and I'm just a naysayer, or do I see what other people don't see? You see what other people don't see. I'm jumping into foxhole with you, my man. I got your back on this one. Right on. It, so, it, so what here, is it? Here's the two, two, two ways they set up the narrative, two ways. First and foremost, we had, uh, we had a record by far, not even close, shattering record of money that came cascading into our economy. Uh, after the pandemic, just in uh, just trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And that takes a while to work its way through the system. We should never, ever uh, equate that to organic growth. We should never think that that's something, you know, we know it's a temporary thing. Uh, it feels good while it's making its way through the system. The velocity of, uh, of money has uh, has increased. Uh, and so that is part of the picture. The other part, and the part that really frustrates me, is this whole game of consensus. Well, the number came in better than Wall Street consensus. That doesn't mean it's good. I mean, it just means that a bunch of people took a guess and they were wrong. So I, I'm with you because if you really cut through the fog and you see what's really happening with delinquency rates skyrocketing, with wages getting very weak and look like they're going to get a lot weaker, this jobs this jobs market is not nearly as so strong as they suggest that it is, and all of that free money is fading. Uh, you know, so it's like watching a football game. Uh, you see where the ball is going, right? and you can see in slow motion. You know, a lot of times we watch a game, we can see the, the quarterback throws a bomb, and you can see the receiver getting open. You figure that you know what's going to happen as a few seconds later. I just think it's pretty, pretty. It's pretty well known. It seems to me 
that we're heading towards something that's going to be very, very painful right around the corner. So let's start with where this happening. I've got three things I want to get to, starting with the interest rates, because the Fed announced yesterday they're not going to change interest rates, meaning lower them. Wall Street had a field day when it was told to them there'll probably be three rate decreases in 2024. Then you read the minutes of their meeting, and the minutes didn't say anything like what they were saying publicly. No rate decrease, and really a signal from the Fed that 2024 might just lay itself uh, flat. It, shouldn't this be warning number one? It, well, the thing is, though, that there's no rate increase in March. They're still saying uh, three rate increase uh, cuts, rather three rate cuts this year, uh, and so that's their way of acknowledging that the economy is slowing, and that inflation will be low enough for them to be accommodated. Because they really, at the end of the day, their real goal is to to make sure that Wall Street stays, um, you know, flush. Now, Wall Street, of course, is very greedy. Wall Street wants at least five to six rate cuts. And in fact, if you look at all the different measures of, of how they measure you know, the markets, the market is still, at this very moment, even without a rate cut in March, still looking at six rate cuts this year. So that's a sign the economy is going to be slowing. And they, they want this thing called, called a soft landing, where it slows just enough, but we don't have a spike in unemployment and things don't happen. Uh, we'll see what happens there, because... The, the measure that they use, there are three unemployment measures at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They all begin with the U. The one that we hear about, the U3 unemployment rate, is so skewed, it's embarrassing. Every time I hear an economist talk about it in glowing terms without adding the caveat, that last month, the last one we got, 670,000 people left the labor force. So the number was had a three-handle. It was 39 if that many people stayed in the labor force, the unemployment rate would have been well over 4%. So is that good news or is that bad news? That's, that that 600,000 people left the labor force. That's a strong economy. By the way, there were over 600,000 people, fewer workers month to month. Is that really a strong economy? Of course it's not. You skewed the data. So do you go off of this artificial data to try to tell the public that the economy is strong when one of these 600,000 people are saying, hey, it was so weak in my neighborhood, I didn't even bother looking for a job. I dropped out of the labor market. Talking to Charles Payne from Fox Business, unbreakableinvestor.com. You can get his new book, Build the American Dream in Any Economic Cycle, by Charles Payne, unbreakableinvestor.com. So this rate conversation is is number one, and you're absolutely right about uh, the, the labor force conversation. Number two takes us over to China, which has a U.S. corollary. You take a look at Evergrande, and we talk about these things, this massive real estate company going belly up, the Hong Kong courts uh, deciding it's time to liquidate. China did not prop this thing up with 80-plus billion dollars in, 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 in losses and a possible $420 billion, whatever it is, in debt. You've got Country Garden right behind it, which could go the same way. And then you have U.S. real estate, which could be engaging a lot of refinancing coming up. They got the money at low rates. The rates now are higher, which might mean abandoning a lot of real estate or letting it go uh, in fire sales. Give me the one, two, three punch here on how that affects the American consumer on Midwest Main Street. 
Well, there's two things. Uh, ironically, one is, is pretty beneficial for Joe Biden. Gasoline prices didn't go up. China's economy, China's been the main driver of, of gasoline, uh, of crude oil prices over the last few years. Their, their rapid growth, their insatiable appetite for energy, uh, and because their economy is so weak, it's actually helped to keep our oil and gasoline prices lower. But to your point, which is also a cautionary tale, uh, on the commercial real estate side, we're in trouble. We are in a whole lot of trouble. And what's really worrisome about it, it's mostly regional banks that have made these loans. Now, if you see that if, if, if Main Street has changed to the point where uh, people are not going to go back to work, not in, enough, not in enough capacity to justify the buildings that have already been built, and those buildings have big debts against them, they're going to be a lot of massive defaults in this country. Now, some of it's because you can't work from home in a lot of larger cities. It's because you don't want to go to the city. And, and so... We've got that, and in China, again, you know, they've, they've had this manufactured economy for a long time. They've built ghost cities, entire cities that are completely empty. By the way, they've also built some amazing cities that we, you know, the average American, if they ever saw pictures of it, would be like, oh, my goodness, what? how did they do that? You know, uh, but that's how they've always kept their economy going. It's been artificial. It's been man-made. But one thing people need to understand, Tony, and this is critical, a year ago, two years ago, uh, she decided instead of prosperity, they were going to focus on war. He is getting his country and his economy ready for war. So all of the money that they might have put into propping up an Evergrande, they're using it in different ways right now. And the economy takes a, a backseat to all of that. And, and that's something that really is worrisome to me as well. So you're having the conversation regarding Taiwan, because this is very clearly the place and the one China philosophy. Uh, and of course, as a guy who, who plays in the economy morning, noon and night, you're, you're watching this. Uh, you're engaging an expectation of that to take place. But what does that do to the marketplace if it does? Well, uh, it depends on when, but it's going to obviously be disastrous, at least initially, and that's because of the semiconductor situation. Listen, we're in a fourth industrial revolution, but it doesn't happen. It's all being powered by the computer chips and, and, these, and these semiconductor chips. And if you look at the shares of NVIDIA as your poster child for this, uh, it's just amazing. And the thing is, we've waited too long. It, it will take, uh, I think there was the CEO of Micron, it would take uh, maybe 20 years to completely get all of the uh, semiconductor risk that we have embedded because of the Taiwan uh, to our shores or out of Taiwan. So it would be a massive, massive, massive blow. Um, it would also uh, ignite really amazing fears and economic regression and to all of the Pacific, maybe even beyond there. Uh, and and it, But I don't see how it cannot happen. In the, in the most recent meeting, I think it was about two months ago, she and, and, and uh, President Biden face-to-face -face in California, he looked President Biden right in the face and says, we're taking Taiwan, one way or the other. He looked him right in the face and says, we are taking Taiwan. And so it's the only thing we can hope is that it's later, much later. You know, the, the irony is that Taiwan just had an election that was razor close. And then the candidate who lost was actually saying, Taiwan should make nice with China because once America has the semiconductor capacity, they won't protect us anyway. So it's a complicated mix. Right now, it would be a huge, a huge uh, economic blow to the world, but more specifically to uh, to our grander ambitions to to continue to dominate, particularly when it comes to this fourth industrial revolution. 
Let me give you spot number three that I'm paying attention to. Talking to Charles Payne of Fox Business, the book Unbreakable Investor. Find it at unbreakableinvestor.com. The books, the trainings, all of it, unbreakableinvestor.com. Third quarter credit card debt in the United States was $1.08 trillion. And I don't know how this isn't looked at every day as the bomb that puts an end to consumer spending when the number becomes untenable and nobody, you talked about defaults earlier, nobody pays back their credit card debt, figuring if Biden will take care of my student loan, someone's going to take care of this. What's the danger number if $1.08 trillion isn't already it? Oh, that is a hell of a question. And I, you know, listen, I pose the same question to the top economists on Wall Street. 95% of them are so sanguine about this, it drives me crazy. Uh, here's what they tell me. Don't worry about it. As long as people have a job, they'll pay their credit card bill, even if it's the minimum. Okay. Then they say, oh, by the way, that number seems large, but as a percentage of GDP, it's actually a lot lower than it's been in recent years. Okay. Oh, and do you know, technically, Tony, that although we borrowed a trillion on our credit cards, you know how much is left, how much room we have left to borrow? Another three trillion. That's right. The max capacity for us to borrow as a nation on our credit cards is four trillion dollars. Uh, I think it's whistling past the graveyard because the interest rates have never been higher. It's almost twenty two percent. Store cards are thirty four percent. Delinquency rates are, are 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 rapidly rising tremendously. And now you got people on buy now, pay later. Uh, which is going to be another unmitigated disaster. And this last December, a lot of people started using that to eat, to buy groceries. We just have two Americas, one America that's doing, doing very well and one that is not living on borrowed time. And, and, and the one that's living on borrowed time has no voice in the media. They don't control the narrative. They don't control Wall Street's narrative. And that narrative is, hey, let's get Joe Biden reelected because Joe Biden has been the best gift to the elites ever. When I, when I say ever, I mean ever. Forget about, you know, the Democrats, the, the Republicans like the rich. What Joe Biden has done for the wealthiest people in this country is mind-boggling. From earned income tax credits to, to couples making over 300000 to bus drivers paying the student loans for people with PhDs, to that $1.9 trillion COVID package, which over the next five years will all mitigate to the top 1% in this country. Uh, so... You're out there sounding the alarm, and it's and it's admirable, and I and I hope you keep doing it. And but the the the, the powers that be are deliberately ignoring it. Charles Payne bringing the heavy. By the way, sanguine, uh, cheerfully optimistic, <laughs> sometimes to the point of seeming complacent, oblivious, or naive. Lo- Good word. I, not not <laughs> used you. enough. Charles Payne. Yeah. So I Thank bring you. it to you. Uh, his book, Unbreakable Investor. Find it at unbreakableinvestor.com. Uh, Find everything he has to offer. And, of course, catch him on Fox Business every Monday through Friday. Charles Payne, I appreciate you taking the time. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz.